So, the podcast is moving forwards, and one of the questions I've been asked a few times now over the last few days is my role with Greys. Greys are obviously, as I'm sure all of you real tennis players will know, are the manufacturers of real tennis rackets. Um, My role with Greys now is something that I do, um, helping Greys being, I suppose, a link between Greys, the manufacturer, and the real tennis professionals. Um, But my relationship with Greys goes back. When I first came into the game in 1983, um, every racket was the same. Uh, I think I sold my first ever racket back in those days for £75. Could even have been cheaper. And um, it was part of me that likes the the idea that everybody played with the same racket. you, you, if you take golf, for example, uh, the, the industry that I'm in now, so many different golf clubs, massive advantages. I, I like the fact that everybody played with the same racket. Um, so probably, I don't know, five, year, five years into, um, into my role with, uh, as a real tennis professional, I felt it was time to visit the factory to to look at the rackets, um, to have an understanding of how they were made and so on and so forth. I've always had an interest in sports equipment. um, And part of that trip, I spoke to Richard Gray, who was part of the Gray's family. Richard at the time was very new into the family business. um, And I think Richard's role at the time back then in the late 80s, early 90s, was, was... the squash racket side of the family business, which probably is what I knew Gray's best for, was the squash rackets. Although later on I learnt that Gray's is also part of Gilbert Rugby, which they acquired many years later, and Gray Nichols Cricket. So it was it was quite a big operation. Uh, I met Richard. As I say, he was in charge of the squash racket side of things. He was learning the family business. Um, and Richard and I... I suppose developed a, a good relationship. I was interested in the squash side of it. I used to sell squash rackets at the Oxford Real Tennis Club. And um, I remember on one occasion, Richard invited myself to the British Open Squash. I used to like to go and watch other events to see what real tennis could learn. Um, and Richard and I got talking about rackets, about what we could do, and is there anything different we could do. Um And uh, actually, on that same visit, I was introduced to a guy who had a production company. And that was where we first put Real Tennis on Channel 4, I think it was. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he had a production company uh, and I met with him. And I remember that we put the pro singles on, I'm pretty sure it was Channel 4. I I can't remember, but... um, it's an it's another podcast in itself talking about um the internet tv sky tv um but richard gray people don't know this but richard gray was the first person to give me that connection the guy at the time was producing squash on the television um and he was very very interested in real tennis and for the next 
year or so, we were probably the first people to put a serious competition. Things had been done before with a, a mixed doubles, England versus Australia, but we were the first to put the British Open pro singles on uh, at the Oratory. And uh, we, ha- we had to find a sponsor because in those days, Sky don't pay you to put your program on the TV. You have to pay for the production. So... Um, yeah, big thank you to Richard for that for that introduction because it's come a long way now and obviously the way forwards for the game is is watching on the internet and I think you know different people Freddie Frederica Adam have moved the game on massively with great coverage from all the events there's nothing better for me now than sitting here at 12 o'clock at night watching the US Open and I think congratulations to the people that are moving it on internet Obviously, wasn't around when we first did it, but I think it's definitely the way to go. So, um, yeah, digress slightly, but uh, back to um, yeah, my connection with Richard was obviously then to to meet him more often. We looked at what we could do better with the rackets. He had a passion for for the game of real tennis because it was obviously in the family, um, as their history goes back to. I think Richard's great grandfather playing rackets. Um, and that's obviously where they started to make the rackets for real tennis and rackets. So, yeah, over the years, we, we looked at different ideas. I remember having a big meetings with Tim at the factory. Tim started at the factory, I think, in 1966. He's still there today on a part-time basis. There was a stage up till about three years ago where Tim had touched every real tacket, every real tennis racket and rackets racket that had been through the process. He was the only one who did a certain part of the process. So, again, if you get the chance to go to the Gray's factory at Cambridge, um, you must go. Please, if, if you would like to do that, contact me and I can organise that for you. But it, it, it's a must. It's an absolute must. And... Um, yeah, so so we had a problem with the the basic racket. Well, say so the basic racket. It was the only racket with the strings pulling through the head. Uh, this was probably in the early nineties to mid nineties. Strings were pulling. You'd hit some shots, and and for some reason the strings were just pulling straight through the head of the racket. So we looked at different ways, different concepts, different materials, um, and and this was obviously a process that. It was trial and error. Simple as that. There's there's no real sort of technical research that we could do. So it was a case of trial and error. So that's where the very first, and I have it today, the, the very first extra tech racket was born. And um, it proved massively successful. Most of the professionals went to the extra tech racket very soon. I think I'm correct in saying that Rob Fay was probably one of the last pros to go to an extra tech racket. I think he still preferred the playing ability of the what I call the standard racket, uh, but eventually Rob moved. The, the basic idea is that the extra tech racket's slightly stiffer in the head, but on average it's going to last a lot longer. The normal racket I could probably get one or two restrings. The extra tech racket, when I was playing at my height, I could probably get six or seven restrings from it so it proved a massive success um it's probably been been the biggest change in the game probably in my time with equipment there there have been over the last 20 years there have been changes there's been changes of the way the racket's constructed but the basics are still the same what's been the biggest change over the last i would say 
10 years is the cosmetics of the racket. Um, at the factory now, you've got Martin and Mark who do an absolutely fantastic job. Again, these guys would love to show you around the factory. It, as I say, it's a must. Go and meet these guys, talk to them. They'll love showing you around. Um, and you will just gauge the passion that these guys have for what they do. Their passion is second to none. Um, every time I go, and I've been fortunate to go quite a few times now, uh, every time I go, I'm met with a smile, I'm met with enthusiasm. And uh, yeah, they're, they're just really... They're really good. They're really good guys. Um, please, please, please pay the factory a visit. So things have changed now. Obviously, Goldleaf have come into the market, um, which I think, you know, it, it's great to see innovation. It's great to see the game moving forwards. And um, I, I think that I, I suppose I've stopped playing in the last... 10 years so I haven't had a chance to use the rackets or to feel the rackets if I'm honest I have a massive loyalty to Grays um, very supportive um, but it, it's just over the years I've got to know the factory I've got to know Richard Gray very well um, and yeah that's where my loyalty lies but uh, that's not to say that I think gold leaf coming into the market is a bad thing and um yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the whole industry goes over the next next 10 years. I'm sure things will change. Things have to change. If you look at the sports industry generally, you know, you, 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 your sports shop in, in the high street is gone. Everything's online. Um, what people want is different. Um, if I look at the golf industry, 10 years ago, you couldn't you couldn't buy a golf club outside of your pro shop. Now, pros don't sell hardware as such um it's all bought online or you have the big american golf chain in every city so time times do change and i'm sure over the next 10 years um things will change massively again but at this stage um i still do work for grace i'll be honest it's an unpaid job it's just something that i'm passionate about um i wish i could spend more time doing it um Obviously, now we're into contracted players, which is good news um, to make things more professional. Uh, Greys obviously have sponsored players, contracted players in cricket and rugby, so we learn a lot from these other guys as well. But yeah, I, I look forward to working with Greys more over the next years. Um, and it'll be, as I say, it'll be an interesting journey to see where the equipment of real tennis goes. If you have any questions on the rackets, I'd like—I really would like to go talk more in depth about rackets. At the moment, I'm just trying to give a—you a, know—it's a question. What's my connection with Gray? So hopefully, I've answered that question. Very happy to take questions on anything to do with rackets, and in any way I can help. If I can organise with a factory visit, or if you've got an injury and, and you want some information, please get in contact with me. And I'm more than happy to answer any questions on real tennis rackets. <laughs>